the fact that there are so many breakthrough cases and and then also the fact that i think there's a lot of data that you know suggests that this immunity from the vaccine or from an active infection may or may not last forever dr jonathan bakhtari you can see it i mean it's crystal clear i think it's going to really revolutionize things which is a big game changer All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bactari, MD, Dr. Bactari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bactari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Hi, welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. And today I want to go over the COVID pandemic as we're approaching the two-year mark. It was two years ago um, on December that we first got wind of something going on. And certainly by January, the pandemic was on. And we're approaching the two-year mark. And I just want to kind of look back and see how our views of everything has evolved since then. Obviously, when the pandemic started, we really didn't have a solution for it. There was no vaccine in sight, and we all we could do were take precautions and lock down the economy and all, everything that we all went through. Eventually, you know, by some miracle, uh, vaccines were developed within you know nine to twelve months, and they became available essentially last December and January. So we're approaching our one-year mark on vaccines being available. So where are we today? I think several things we need to understand. I think when the vaccines came out a year ago, our hopes were on achieving herd immunity like we have with measles and other viruses. But I think if you look at the numbers now, it's hard to say that herd immunity is going to be realistic in the sense that you know we already have almost 195 200 million Americans fully vaccinated as of today which is you know a significant portion of the population certainly the vast majority in addition you know we also have at least 47 50 million documented cases of covid and if we assume the multiple uh, there's a multiple of people who got COVID that we didn't document. They were either asymptomatic, they didn't get tested, or what have you. Even by the CDC's own criteria, uh, guidelines, you know, 80, 100, 120 million people have gotten COVID. So when you fuse all these numbers together, it's hard not to say we're past 80% in terms of immunity, either by vaccines or by active infection. And if we're really at that point and COVID-19 or the SARS-CoV-2 virus is still such an integral part of our lives, I think it's fair to say that, you know, getting this under control by herd immunity is going to be challenging. And the other argument is becoming more and more clear, and I've stated this on my other videos many times, that I think most people have to come to the realization that 
one way or another, they're either going to get the vaccine or get the infection or both. I, I think that clarity is really important to have. And once you sort of come to that clarity, it's sort of like we do with the cold. I mean, there's very few people that walk around and say, I never get the cold. I mean, there are, but by and large, everyone knows what it's like to get a cold. And if you view the SARS-CoV-2 virus the same way, uh, then it kind of makes sense. As a matter of fact, it's an upper respiratory virus. And even before this pandemic, you know, a third of common colds were caused by other strains of coronavirus. So it really, this virus is doing what it does, which is to become endemic. Obviously, it's a lot more lethal and a lot more challenging, especially in the elderly or people with risk factors. It's not a simple cold for them and just randomly for other people too. So, uh, but in terms of how it's acting, in terms of how it spreads and who it impacts, it's certainly looking like our, you know, run-of-the-mill upper respiratory viruses. Uh, run-of-the-mill, not by the consequences, but how it spreads and how easy it is to contract it. So I think there's maybe a shift going on in sort of viewing this as a pandemic now that's slowly transitioning into something that's just going to be part of life. And our job now is to try to see what we can do to minimize the damage, both in terms of people getting ill, as well as, of course, getting hospitalized and, and, and dying. So our job is there. And so the good news is that a lot of people have been vaccinated and, and a lot of people have gotten the infection. To a certain extent, for at least for a while, that will mitigate potentially their, you know, getting hospitalized or, or dying. Uh, we know the risk of dying is significantly higher if you've not been vaccinated. So we all know that. And then, of course, both Merck and Pfizer have announced oral therapy that will reduce the severity or hospitalization and death of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And those are pretty much in the pipeline and should be coming out uh, relatively sh soon. So I think the vaccines as well as some oral therapy is probably, you know, the next phase of what we're going to go through. And I think what we're waiting to see is if and when the next generation of COVID-19 vaccines come out, uh, especially more targeted to the Delta variant and potentially other variants that may come out. And that then we talk, we're talking about the annual boosters and what have you. So I think that's the next chapter, which in a few months may, we may have some more clarity. In terms of the booster itself, I predicted this on some of the podcasts before, that eventually everybody would qualify for a booster. We know that we did a study and I'll put a link to how the effectiveness of the two major mRNA vaccines we have in the US, how their effectiveness has gone down with the Delta variant. You can look at that video and really um, it made sense not only for high risk people, but everybody to get a, a booster. And uh, the FDA announced that, and I'm sure that's the direction it's going to go in the next week or two, where everyone's going to qualify to get a booster. And as I've said many times on, on this program before, is it really a booster or is it a three-shot series? I think time will tell which one it is, but we're either going to have three-shot series that everyone's going to get, 
uh, and that might be tweaked in terms of the variant, or you may get the three shot series and then you know yearly, potentially, potentially yearly boosters if that's what happens. But clearly this SARS-CoV-2 virus is not acting like MERS and, and SARS, which sort of just fizzled out. It looks like it's here to stay and you know become part of our everyday life. So having said that, I think now that this becoming a realization that this is no longer a pandemic, but it's more of an endemic infectious virus, how is society going to respond to it? You know, what are we going to do with long-term masking? What are we going to do with long-term social uh, social distancing? What are we going to do about, you know, the work environment? And what are we going to do about, you know, different interactions we have in, in crowded spaces and what have you? So some of these things still need to be ironed out. But having said that, uh, I think for those of us who are just holding our breath for it to end once we got to herd immunity, uh, it may not turn out that way. And so I think like anything else, coming to grips, the reality of the situation, I think first nobody believed that there could be a pandemic and nobody thought there would be a pandemic that would last you know, 24 months. But now I think the new realization is to say, yes, the pandemic may slowly fade into what's just an endemic situation, which is we're gonna have to figure out how to live with yet a new type of coronavirus. You know, I think the thing that really burst the bubble, converting it from a pandemic to an endemic, what kind of psychologically broke the bubble for people was this number of breakthrough cases. I think, you know, had the Delta variant not occurred and had, you know, had the vaccines stayed 95% effective in catching the disease, I think it would have been a different story. But I think, the fact that there are so many breakthrough cases, and and then also the fact that I think there's a lot of data that you know suggests that this immunity from the vaccine or from an active infection may or may not last forever. We know with other coronaviruses, you know, you can get reinfected even so, even if you've had it and you have immunity, it doesn't with other coronaviruses last forever. So the question is, how long will this last? And whether it's the immunity from the vaccine or immunity from natural infection. So I think those are the unanswered questions, but the fact that you're asking those questions really makes this much more of an endemic situation than a pandemic. For this endemic to really be even under more control, we only have 3.26 billion uh, fully vaccinated people, uh, which is only you know 41% of the population. So I think the we'll have a better feel for what the endemic looks like when that number is you know closer to 60, 70, 80% of the world population vaccinated. I know there's certain countries are gearing up to produce even more vaccines and get more and more of the world vaccinated. But yeah, I think I think getting 60, 70, 80% of the world vaccinated will really make a dent in, uh, you know, the rate of new variants. I'm not saying there won't be any, but it will certainly reduce the rate. And of course, it'll reduce the the worst side, the worst outcome of catching the virus. Uh, I think as that population, as the world population becomes vaccinated, and as people get the infection, develop herd immunity by by, by active infection, those two things 
will change the face of the endemic situation. How fast, how quickly we can go from 40% to 60 to 70% will determine that. And certain countries are gearing up to produce a lot more vaccines in 2022. Uh, if that were to happen and it's readily available to anyone and everyone, I think we'll see a significant change in everything. I think these are the challenges that we have. Uh, the good news is the vaccines still work in terms of you know keeping you alive and keeping you out of the hospital for the most part. And the good news is we have new antiviral therapies that work. I think in previous videos, we talked about doing good double-blinded control studies to prove them, not just randomly take anything that we thought would work, and those studies are out. And I'm confident that those two new drugs will have a, a dramatic impact. And then we wait for uh, the vaccine manufacturers to potentially roll out and study newer versions of the coronavirus uh, vaccine in the next you know, three to six months. And I certainly will be interested to see what happens by next fall if um, if something, a new vaccine evolves by then. So I think that's, in, in summation, uh, an update of where we are. I think we're more in the endemic. We're going to have to live with it and figure it out. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com, to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over in my YouTube channel, Bakhtari MD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you.